Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Welcome to OCC. If, if Easter was your first Sunday with us, then we want to welcome you back here. It's great to see you again. And not sure if you could fully catch everything that she was sharing. Our friend there on the typewriter, uh, she said, regrets remorse, pages and pages of life wasted. There's still time to make edits. And those are really hopeful words. Uh, We're in a new message series. It's called My Story. And last week we... Hang on a second. I'm ringing in my head here a little bit. Last week we celebrated Easter. And so we celebrated how the resurrection of Jesus gives us a chance to let God author a new story in our life. We looked at this verse from Hebrews 12, verse 2. The writer of Hebrews, he writes, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And and basically, from start to finish, Jesus, he authored and he perfected. He brought everything to completion. He he lived fully by faith. And it's, it's not too late to start new. With Christ. In fact, last week, as we celebrated Easter, we gave the opportunity for people to respond. And last week, uh, four people indicated on their connection card that they made Christ the Lord of their life. They committed their lives to Jesus for the very first time. And so it's something to celebrate. So, and I, I've heard some of the stories of conversations that have been going on. And so, but if, if you're on the fence and you're asking questions and you, you just need to talk that out and get more clarity on what does this really mean? What would that look like for me to become a Christian? please let us know. Either let us know at the information table or check the box on the connection card that, where you can just get more information about what it means to follow Christ. We'd love to help you in that process. If you'd like to follow along this morning with our message, then you can pull out the listening guide. You find that in your program. You can follow along. There's pins on your chair. And just as that lady shared, we'll start here. To start living a new story, we need to stop certain patterns that prevent this from happening. To start, you have to typically stop something. It's like when you want to break into a new habit. You can't just add, you've probably heard this, you can't just add things in without considering what you take out of your life. You, you have to consider what is it that I'm doing and what may need to change for me to get this new habit rolling. So what are you doing in your life that keeps you stuck right now? What is it that you're doing right now that, that may be keeping you stuck? I have patterns in my life that I just need to stop and, and so do you. There's things that I'm aware of. These can be thought patterns that maybe I think about myself or, or others. Or these can be ingrained patterns of behavior, whether words or, or the way that I act. Some of these things we're aware of. Some of these things we don't necessarily see, but they start, God starts bringing them to light. And the good news is we can stop and change because of God's help. We're going to look at how to do that. and some ident- We're going to identify some common areas uh, that may be blocking your growth and your progress. So we looked at Hebrews 12.2 last week. Let's back up one verse and gain some more perspective from the writer of Hebrews. He, he begins chapter 12, and he, he's in chapter 11, the previous chapter, there's this listing of heroes of the faith. And so he's coming off of chapter 11, just having given this list of heroes, and he names all these heroes who lived their lives by faith. And then chapter 12, he, he says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
people who set the pace, Hebrews 11, the heroes of our faith, people like Noah and Moses and Abraham and Joseph, these, these were not perfect people. Uh, you, can, you can read about their stories in the Bible. These were ordinary people with challenges and with struggles like you and I, but these were people who were not content to stay stuck. And their stories uh, were marked by faith. They lived lives of faith. And because of that, their stories have really lived on. And the stories that we read in Hebrews chapter 11 have always really inspired, they're inspiring stories to me. And it causes me to ask the question, like, what could God do in our lives? These were folks that really decided to trust God at a a deep faith level. Well, what could God do with your life if you chose to walk really by faith? And you just said, you know, I, I, I really want to get on the edge of faith here. Now, with those heroes in mind in chapter 11... Hebrews 12, he's, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the people that have gone before us, he tells us, let us throw off everything that hinders. Or another translation reads, let us lay aside everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. The, living the Christian life, it's, it's like running a marathon. In fact, the word race here where he says run, run the race, the word race in the Greek is the Greek word agon. And it, it basically, it's where we get our English word agony from. You hear it in there, agon. And when we agonize, uh, running a marathon would be agonizing for me, <laughs> okay? I mean, it'd be agonizing for most of us, right? I mean, the writer of Hebrews, he has this in his mind, how the Christian life it can feel agonizing. It's a mix of joy. There's highs and then there's lows. There's, it's a mix of joy and trials. And in that way, it can be an agonizing journey when you're in the low points and you're trying to get back to that, that other place. It requires self-discipline. It requires determination. And it requires perseverance, he, he writes, in order to finish well. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at this. We're going to try to flesh this verse out right here. What would it look like? To, to actually lay aside some things, to throw off hindrances and sin. Okay? The first thing he, he says there is to lay aside hindrances. The word for hinder here, it literally means weight. So imagine trying to run a race with extra weight, ankle weights. You know, before you're really going to get moving, you've got to, you know, take those ankle weights off in order to, to really move forward. And gain speed. And the analogy here that he's using is you're running a race. You, you can't effectively do that with heavy weight on you. This is why elite runners, they, they look for the lightest shoes. Now, I'm far from an elite runner. Uh, no one would ever call me an elite runner. Um, for most of us, to find the lightest shoes would do nothing for us. But if you're an elite runner and you need to shave seconds off of your time, then finding the lightest shoes uh, might you know, give you that edge. But for all of us... We carry extra uh, hindrances, not in our shoes, but really in our hearts, in our minds. We carry things like regret. That's, that can be like extra weight we're carrying around from our past. We carry uh, thoughts of, or just emotions of feeling overwhelmed, anxiety based on what we have on our plate. We, we can feel isolated. We can feel alone. And these and more are, are just a few of the hindrances that can block our growth. They can really keep us stuck. And so the writer of Hebrews says, lay aside, throw off hindrances, and 
Also, he says, break free from sin. Break free from sin that so easily entangles us. Again, not only do we have hindrances, and we also battle with sin. Certain patterns of sin that make sense to us. There's certain temptations that pull at you more than others, maybe. You may struggle with, with, with lying. You may struggle with lust. You may struggle with pride. Maybe you struggle with porn. Maybe you struggle with greed. Maybe it's, maybe it's envy or worry or, or comparison. or uh, Maybe it's control, just trying to get control and controlling people, getting people to do what, what, what you want. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's rage. There's, there's all of these things that we'd say, yeah, that, that's sin. That's crossing the line of what God would want. Well, the writer of Hebrews, he says, in order to make real progress and run the race, you have to, you have to lay aside some of these old ways. It says that sin entangles it so easily, the writer says, it so easily entangles us. The word entangled here, it has the idea of being tightly squeezed. I mean, doesn't that describe how our sin is? Sometimes it just it, it squeezes us. Another image that comes up in the, in the original language of this word entangled, it's it's being encircled by outside forces. So you're like inside, and there's, you feel like there's these things moving in on you. I, I'm picturing like you're in the forest, and there's wolves kind of moving in on you. I just went camping, so I had my mind on wildlife this week, because I had an encounter with a raccoon. There's a story, but I'll, I'll save you the, the drama. I don't have any scratches, so we're all good. But, but sin has this way of just kind of uh, boxing us in. So change in life, again, you can't just start over without examining what are some of the things that may need to be laid aside in order to make real progress. So play play your story out. If I continue in this direction with hindrances or sin, and I ignore those things, how will my story end? If I continue fill in the blank with this pattern of sin, where will I end up? Like, if I continue living outside my means financially, what will my story look like in five years, in ten years, if I just keep living beyond my financial means? Or, or if I continue lying, where, where will my relationships be in five years, in ten years? If I keep grumbling, complaining, again, what, what kind of stress will that add? What about hiding sin? What, what, where will this lead me if I continue on? Some of what we do, we may not even realize how much of an impact it's having on our progress. Others, though, may see it. And I'm going to show you an example in Scripture of a time where someone was, was told to stop doing something because it was causing a lot of uh, problems and adding extra noise in their life. And so it's from the story of Moses. And it's, it's less familiar of a story than what we know, normally think of when we, when we think about the hero Moses. When I think of Moses, I think of Ten Commandments. I think of parting the Red Sea and the movies showing what that might have looked like. Right? I think of the plagues in Egypt and all that God uh, asked him to do in order to, to lead God's people out of captivity. Uh, but here's a, a lesser known story where Moses himself was urged to stop doing something. And this isn't a sin issue. This is one of those hindrances issues that, that Hebrews 12.1 talks about. Lay aside the hindrances. Throw off the hindrances that are blocking progress. So this story comes after the Exodus. So God had used Moses. He goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh doesn't, and he doesn't, and God sends plagues and plagues. But eventually, Pharaoh releases 
Scholars believe somewhere around 2.4 million Israelites, men, women, and children, were freed from slavery out of Egypt and out of bondage, all under Moses' leadership. I, I can't even get my mind around this scene, can you? Just imagine the, the desperation of being held in bondage and, and being forced to do labor for a foreign leader. And then God sends a deliverer who, who frees you and all your family, all your people, all your friends, all your countrymen. This is, this is what really happened. 2.4 million people. So these Israelites, they follow Moses out of Egypt and they cross the Red Sea, God provides, this, the Red Sea is a major barrier, and they're, they're, you know, Pharaoh has a change of heart, he sends his armies after the Israelites, and they come to the Red Sea, what, what, what happens? God, through Moses, parts the Red Sea so that the Israelites are able to cross on dry land and be saved from their pursuers. After this, God provides miraculously for his people provides quail to feed them, provides this substance from he- heaven called manna, provides water, all, all in miraculous ways and all under Moses' leadership. Moses is leading the way. And at this point, you can only imagine the challenge of Moses' responsibility to lead 2.4 million people. And so what began to happen was, uh, as they're, you know, imagine 2.4 million people trying to get along in the wilderness. There's challenges, right? There's, there's major you know, there's food crisis every day. God comes through, but still there's challenges that come up. Well, every time there was a problem, people would line up and they would talk to Moses, and Moses would have to sort out their problems. And with a group of people that size, I mean, you can only imagine the problems that were coming. And around this time, Moses' father-in-law came to visit Moses and to talk about all that God did through the Exodus and the plagues and the Red Sea crossing. And, and so Moses sits down with his father-in-law. Scripture says that Moses, and his, his name was Jethro, shared stories back and forth. They shared stories. They ate together. They worshiped together. But then this occurred. Look at this. Exodus 18, verses 13 through 18. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. They stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you, you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? This whole system that Moses was operating couldn't be sustained. And Jethro could kind of see, plain as day, this isn't working, Moses. Uh, Moses answered in verse 15, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. I find this humorous. Sorry. I'll give this to myself. He's just answering the question. I, I read some of these stories, and I, I think it's crack up. Whenever they have a dispute, he's just answering the question. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. A lot of people, millions of people, remember. Moses is saying, look, I'm playing my role. I'm just doing my job. What's the big deal? Verse 17. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. So much for impressing your father-in-law. You ever had your father-in-law come and say, Josh, that's not it. What you're doing isn't good. You know, let, me, let me give you a pointer here. I mean, this isn't working. He just flat out tells him, this system isn't working. And he's verse 18. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. 
The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Basically, you're going to be exhausted and no one wants to wait in this long line anymore. Moses, you need to stop. You need to stop. Now, I don't know if Jethro was a leadership expert. I don't know if he'd written books and what his credentials were. But he was wise enough to see that Moses had a problem. And Moses couldn't see it. He was just doing what made sense to him. And this is often where we find ourselves. We just get moving in a certain direction. We form a pattern. It becomes ingrained. And before we know it, that's all we know. We just do life in this way. Now, this wasn't a sin issue that Moses needed to lay aside, but this certainly was a hindrance. This was adding extra noise in Moses' life that he didn't need. This was very much like a blind spot in Moses' life and his leadership. Now, the blind spot in a car is this. It's that area when you're driving that we don't have very good visibility. In a car, it's extremely dangerous to just operate without an understanding and awareness of your blind spot. What is beside my car? There's this area you just can't see very well. And many accidents occur. We won't do the show of hands, but accidents occur because sometimes we don't stop to consider what's in my blind spot right now. And sometimes we don't see it, but I've, you know, been in a situation where I've either been a passenger or I've been the driver, and it's like, hold on, someone's in your blind spot, don't turn. You're like, oh, thank you, thank you, you saved us. For Moses, though, his whole blind spot was this, you're trying to do everything yourself, all in your own power, Moses. And Jethro just, God used Jethro's father-in-law to help Moses make an important shift. And this example eases us into this whole area of what needs to be laid aside thrown off in our lives. And so we're going to walk through a, a, a list on the back of your listening guide of some areas to consider. Now, this is really just scratching the surface with a few areas that you might want to look at. But consider these. The first one. Now, this is going to seem like the principle, okay? Talking to the principle. Because it's like when you say stop things, it's like, Stop, 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 stop. So again, I'm going to feel like the principal for a little bit. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. So you're going to feel that. So I'm not your principal. Okay? So as we're walking through these passages, if God speaks to you about something through these passages, jot it down. Jot down some notes for yourself and come back to it later. But don't get hung up there alone. Okay? Uh, first thing, today I need to stop acting so proud. Acting so proud. Now this statement in Scripture comes from a lady named Hannah who makes this statement after God answered her prayer. She, a lot of times in life, we're very tempted to speak in pride, as if we know the future. But this lady, she brought her deepest desires to God. She put her hope in God, and she stayed humble before God. And God came through and answered her prayer. Um, but she's quoting this here. She's talking about pride. Do not keep talking so proudly, she said, or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows. By him, deeds are weighed. Hannah's strength was, was not rooted in herself, but her strength was, was rooted in God's ability to work and to act. Now, you might think, oh, move, move to the next one, Josh. I don't deal with pride. Let's move on. <laughs> pride is not something we easily see in the mirror. You know, when you're brushing your teeth and you're combing your hair, if you, if you still do that kind of thing. Um, you know. You don't often see pride in the mirror. 
It's a real struggle in life to acknowledge that the buck doesn't stop right here with me. This is one of the most difficult things to see in ourselves is pride. It is costly. It is a... It's risky to get into pride as a pattern because God will... The scriptures, like one that concerns me is, he who exalts himself will be humbled. So whenever, whenever we exalt ourselves in pride, it's just a matter of time before we come down from that place. There's a splatter circle. And if you're trying to make traction in life, pride will block your progress faster than most things. And, so, and sadly, you don't grow out of this struggle. So beware. So if you're, ah, oh, I used to deal with pride when I was young. No. Till the day we die, Scripture says, this is going to be eating at the heart of a man, or the heart of mankind. Pride. We have to battle this back. It starts creeping up. We have to say, back off, pride. This is, this is just a battle. So where do you see this showing up most? Let me jot that down. Where do I see pride most showing up in my life? Jot that down for yourself. What area? Where do you see pride cropping up? We're going to pause here for a moment through most of these. When you're done, you can put your pencils down. Another one. Today I need to stop trusting in man. Look at this one. Trusting in man. What does this mean? To trust in man. To trust in people. This is a theme that often shows up in the Bible. Do I trust God or do I trust people? Do I trust in man? To live, to trust man is to live for the praise of others. Sometimes we call this people pleasing. People pleasing. Living for the praise of others. Being really concerned about how others think of you, feel about you, what they say about you. Being overly concerned about this. Here's what the scripture says in this regard. Proverbs 29:25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. That's a trap. It's not worth it. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You want to be safe from the trap? You trust in the Lord. You keep trusting in the Lord. You don't put the praise of people above pleasing God. And now snares are traps. The issue with traps is that they are hidden. They bring pain, sometimes death, but you don't see them. You don't realize you're deep in a trap until it's about to come down on you and, and grab hold of you and really harm you. I was researching snares, and there's, you see pictures online of snares in the, in the woods for people that trap animals. And most of the snares that you'd see, they blend into the environment. They, they match the surroundings of, of, the, of the woods. So we don't often realize that this is so dangerous. People-pleasing, fearing people, giving in to the fear of what others think about me. If I, if I live for God or if I do the hard thing or if I don't, if I'm not able to live for their expectations or whatever it might be, it's a trap and it's subtle. Now, here's a funny image on this. She says, I can only please one person a day. Today is not your day. Tomorrow doesn't look good either. Now, 
fearing God, taking God seriously, seeking to please God, this is what's most important. Set that as your primary objective in life. I want to please God with my life. That's number one. Set your focus on that. Now, loving people, helping people, serving people, yes, those are good things. God wants you to love people. He commands us to, you know, love our neighbor. This is, this is a priority for God that we love people, serve people, care for people, help people. Um, but doing that out of fear of them or fearing their disapproval of us and living for their approval, that's a subtle trap. And that's not worth it. How, now, how do you most often find yourself getting caught in this trap? Let me jot that down. How do I most find myself people-pleasing or trusting in man or fearing man? Where, where does this show up for you? Take a moment to think that through. Or where am I looking for the approval of people in my life? Here's another one. Let's keep going. Today I need to stop grumbling among yourselves. Grumbling among yourselves. We grumble when we don't like or when we don't approve of something or we don't approve of someone. And rather than going to direct to the person that we have a problem with or the situation, we, we go indirect and we start grumbling about it. We don't keep it to ourselves. Instead, we start complaining and going to the wrong people. Here in church life, we call this triangulation. It's, we, we know this as gossip, right? You've, you've heard the term gossip. Person A has a problem with person B. And instead of going to talk to person B about it, they go and they share that problem with person C. So you, you see the triangle here, triangulation. This only damages. It, it only damages. When I decide I, my problem is with this person, but for some reason, I need to bring this person in. And we can justify it, and it's easy to do, isn't it? But it's wrong. It's wrong. We fall, we should, I shouldn't say we fall into this. We, we choose into this, don't we? But it's a boundary in church life. So whenever you hear it, here, if someone, if you're person C, and you're not person A or B, the right thing to do at that point is to just say, you know, we just don't do that here. We just go direct. And so I'm not involved in that. I want to encourage you to go talk to so-and-so. Sounds like you need to talk to them right away. We just don't do that here. And so here, we want to address that because it brings hurt and it dishonors God when we get into grumbling. And if we stop ourselves from doing this, if we just restrain ourselves from grumbling and gossiping, and if we also warn others when we start recognizing, uh-oh, this is, I'm being roped into something. If we can protect the culture here and the church here, we can experience a really life-giving and a real refreshing place. We can, we can experience refreshing small groups, refreshing Sunday mornings. This can be distinctively different than the culture that you might experience more in the world. Look at what Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15 says. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that... You may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Have you ever been in the, in the desert on a, just a really clear night and seen the stars just light up the sky? It's remarkable because you can see them so clearly. We live in the haze down here in the city. That's what we get used to. We get used to this city condition. You don't see the stars all that bright. 
But grumbling in a similar way has just become a part of the depraved and crooked culture of the world. It's just a normal habit that we get used to, we pick up. But if you want to stand out, the Bible says, if you want to really stand out, then you work on this. You catch yourself, you stop yourself, and you, you clear it up. And if you've been guilty, which we've all been guilty of this, if you've been guilty, then, then own up to it. Own up to it. and that, Because the reason you own up to sin is if you don't own up to it, you, you'll likely do it again in a short period of time. But if you own up to it, that typically is one of the only ways. That's the path that leads to change. If you want to change in this area, own up to it. I've been grumbling. I've been complaining. I've been being indirect about things and bringing into things that didn't involve you. This makes a huge difference when we live differently. And part of our culture here in church life is to keep working at that. And so I want to ask you, would you help us with, with this here? Would you help us do this differently here? Maybe again, jot down any action steps on this one before you move on. God, what are you, what are you saying to me in regards to grumbling? Look at this next one. Today I need to stop stewing over regret and discouragement. This, this has to deal with our emotions. Stewing over regret and discouragement. Look at Psalm 42, verse 5 and, and verse 11. They say the same thing. Why are you downcast, the psalmist writes. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? He's talking to himself. Why are you so down? Why are you so disturbed within me? The psalmist writes, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Without hope, our emotions can become crippling. And for those of you who have found hope in Christ, there's a freedom that can come to you. Isn't there? There's a freedom when, when Christ sets you free. He leads us out of the dark places that we find ourselves in apart from Him. But we can actually battle back thoughts of discouragement and thoughts of despair that lead us to real depressed places and a depressed state and a desperate place. We can battle back thoughts. Now, if, if you can't identify why you are downcast or disturbed, if you just can't identify, did you know that you can, you can actually reject and refuse thoughts and emotions? Because not all of them are your own. Did you know you can actually Reject and refuse thoughts and emotions. I do this whenever I can't totally identify why I'm feeling a certain way, but I know I'm feeling heavy over something. I have this heavy emotion that would come over me in a sense. And sometimes I recognize it's coming at a key time. It's a point where I need to be fully focused and engaged in a, in a, in a, with, with someone, to talk to someone, or to, to, to do my role here. It's, it's, sometimes it's Sunday mornings for me. Sometimes it's just before an important meeting. Sometimes... Like, just this week, we had some time as a family for rest. I mean, it can be during those points where I know I, I just really need to focus on, on them right now. But this feeling has got me down. And I'm like, why, why? Like the psalmist is writing. And if I can't identify where it's coming from, then sometimes I'll just ask God for help in the moment. And I'll just pray, God, I don't know where this feeling is being generated from. But I'm refusing this. I refuse this feeling 
of discouragement or whatever it is. I'll name it. I'll refuse it in the name of Jesus. And the reason I pray it that way is because Jesus said, John 16, 24, until now, he said, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, ask me in my name, he says. Do that. Your joy will be made complete. So when I pray, I pray in Jesus' name. And, and if, if, if I, you know, Lord, I don't, I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm feeling this. And I just refuse that in the name of Jesus. You may need to do that several times before you break through and are able to move forward, but I would encourage you to begin to pray in that way. Now, the psalmist, he just tells himself the truth here. Look at what he's saying. He tells himself the truth. He moves himself past his emotions, and he says, put your hope in God. I will praise him. This is so important. Sometimes we give in to a crippling regret or discouragement, and, and we can identify. So now this is the other case. Sometimes we do know why we're feeling a certain way, and it's because of sin. And if that's the case, if you've sinned and that's where this feeling is coming from, then confess it. Find freedom in that. Confess. God, I, I sinned against you. This was wrong. I, gave, I told a lie. I gave in to lust. I've given in to my pride and it's ruining my relationships. I, God, I just confess this to you. Would you forgive me? I, I call it what it is. That's sin. I don't want to live in that way. Proverbs 28.13. You may want to jot this down. Proverbs 28.13 says, He who, confe- or who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses his or confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Confess and renounce sin. You find mercy. Confess it. So confess it to God. If it's damaged others, then go clear it up with them. And then receive Christ's forgiveness and move forward. Put your hope in Him and move forward. Don't look back. Don't stay stuck. Now, you may need to talk to someone about what I'm talking about here. And I would say, talk to a group leader. Start there. Ask your group leader, you know, I'm, I'm working on this and I identify I need to stop some things. I'm giving in to my emotions in this area. Would you pray for me? I'm bringing this to God. I'm offering this up to Him. I need help in this area to move forward. But we want to help you keep moving forward. Finally, one last area to, to consider is to stop being frustrated at others. Look at Psalm 37.8. This is one aspect of frustration. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. So as this states, frustration with people, anger and fretting turns dark. Look at what this says. It turns dark quickly. It rarely stays. Anger and fretting rarely stays harmless. It very quickly grows into more damaging problems. And sometimes our frustration comes from what people do to us. And we need to do something with that. So we need to go have a conversation to clear that up. But if we just get frustrated and stuff, that's not going to be helpful. Sometimes it's tied to our expectations on them. And that they can't meet, they're not meeting our expectations. And so again, there's something maybe we need to let go of there to release control. Whatever the source is, frustration will rob you of life. It'll rob you of joy. And so God wants you to move past it and find healthy ways to do so. Now, these areas that I've addressed, these five areas, may or may not be the issues getting in the way of your progress. But imagine what might come if you were to identify what is blocking your growth and blocking your progress. Don't get overwhelmed with trying to to stop doing too many things at once. Maybe pick one of these things. Maybe look at that list and say, is there, is there one in here that just jumps out off the page and you just say, this is, I'm going to give some attention to this. What would stopping that one action do in your life? 
Imagine we all said this today. I'm finished ignoring this area. I'm finished ignoring it. I, I see it. Others have, maybe many others have maybe come and brought this to me, and I, I'm, this has dogged me far too long, and I'm through ignoring it. And it may be a messy process that involves three steps forward and a few steps back, but today, God, would you change me in this area? I, I want to stop this for you so I can move forward. I want to start something new. I need your help. Now, none of this that we're talking about is possible in your own strength. None of it is. You actually need God's help on the inside. And so if you're trying to pull up change like we're talking about here, and you're just, oh, I'm going to muster up a lot of strength, and I'm going to have breakthroughs, but, but Christ is not living in you, the, the, the source of help isn't there. If you invite Christ in your life, He puts His Spirit inside of you, He brings the power of God who can make the change possible. He gives you the power to change. Titus, as the worship team comes back up to the stage, Titus chapter 2, I'll just read it to you. Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All men. That's what we talked about last week. God's grace has appeared. His means to salvation, to break through, to be freed from our sin, has appeared in the person of Jesus Christ, has appeared to all men. Verse 12 says, It teaches us to say no to all ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. God's grace is what teaches us to move forward. And it's from God's grace and what, what Christ has done that gives us hope for the future, hope that we can endure the challenges and the trials that we're facing here. And now I want to encourage you to identify something specific here on your, on your listening guide. My next step today is stop, and then there's the blank for you. Get real specific for yourself. You came in this morning, and don't leave the same way if God has highlighted something that he has put his finger on and saying, today's the day you want to make, I want you to make progress in this one area. What is it God is asking you to lay aside today? Memorize Hebrews 12, 1 is another next step, and then this final one is bring a friend, or I'm sorry, come back next week, I would say, bring a friend. Bring a friend, especially if this is helping you in your growth. Share that with somebody that you know is uh, maybe on a search as well for, for truth and for answers and for help. So let's pray together. Father, we should offer ourselves up to you. We, we don't have all the answers. The power to change is not inside of, of our great ideas. It's not locked up in our, our own strategies and uh, our self-effort. But God, we need you. We need you. The grace of God that has brought salvation to all men has appeared in Christ Jesus, and he has set us free. And so, Lord, would you teach us to say no? Because of what Christ Jesus has done, how he's rescued us, the price he paid, would you, would you use that to teach us to say no to the things that are keeping us from living lives that really please you? We need your help. We ask you to release your power in our lives, Lord, to help us have breakthroughs in all these areas, Lord. And if there's others that you've put in our mind, Lord, help us, Lord, to move forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. 
Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.